That night, I got hooked immediately. That night, that's the first time I'd ever spent all my money. I crossed the line. That night, I crossed the line from recreational to an addict. From Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago, I'm Timothy Gregory, and this is the Unshackled Podcast, sharing true stories of faith that make you face yourself and think. Today's episode, Otis. Now, in order to help me fully understand the impact that crossing the line had on Otis McClam, I spoke with him on a cold winter day here at Pacific Garden Mission, a homeless shelter in Chicago's South Loop. It was a happy childhood. We moved into a brand new community and uh, still a great place to raise family. It still is to this day. I told my dad several times, I say, you and mom really picked a great place to raise family. And uh, it was very good coming up. Not only was there mom and dad in my house, there was mom and dads next door to me. Divorces wasn't rampant as they are now people, they stuck together. It's been said that if you've had a happy and healthy childhood, nobody can take that away from you, which I suppose is true. But it is not necessarily a predictor of healthy choices later on. I'll never forget the first night I did marijuana. I can remember it was in a car, there were about five of us. Was this in high school or college? This was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, my junior year in high school. The driver fired up a marijuana joint. And if I wasn't in a car, I would have just left. And the guys, it wasn't the pressure that they put on me. It was the pressure I put on myself. As I look back on the story, I can remember saying, wow, what am I going to do? Am I going to smoke this joint or am I going to pass it and not maybe be accepted with them? You know, felt like the cool thing to do was to smoke it and not let them know that, you know, and big mistake. Because without question, for me, it was a gateway drug because what I did that night was I crossed that line. If marijuana is a gateway drug, then that gate ushered in many new guests. Guests that not only overstayed their welcome, but would wreak havoc on Otis's life for many years to come. By now and all throughout the 70s, now I'm doing other things. Uh, everything except shooting a needle. I'm, I'm doing a little coke. I'm doing a little, a little acid from time to time. But in 1984, never forget it. That's the first time I smoked my first crack rock already produced it, and no one had to prepare. We didn't prepare it. It was, it was that crack invasion, that crack expo- explosion. And that night I got hooked immediately. That night, that's the first time I'd ever spent all my money. I crossed the line. That night I crossed the line from recreational to an addict. Now I'm smoking crack. You're smoking where crack. I'm going on the streets and right. buying already made or uh-huh. So you're you're using as much as you can. As much as, as I can. As often as you as can. As often I can. And you then know, how long are you in that place? Well this was uh this was in eighty four. And I can remember uh talking to a friend of mine. I was living with him. And at the time this is the this is the eighties. We're both finishing concrete. Every Friday we come in where we have well over a thousand dollars every week between the both of us. 
and by Sunday evening, sometimes Sunday, Saturday evening, before the weekend was over, we were broke. And I, I can never forget my first confession. And I remember saying to him, Jay, I need help. I'm out of control, man. And I said, you know, and this is how I know it was Christ. And I said, I need to stop smoking drugs, man. I, I don't like where I am. And I said, Jay, you know what? There's more wrong with me than just drugs. So I don't need NA or AA. I remember saying that. I need Jesus. And that's when God began to lure me because I could have very easily settled for NA and AA. I'm sober, but I don't know Jesus. So when an inevitable day comes for me to die, I would have died sober, but not knowing Jesus, you know, and I would have done many good works, calling on God, but I would have heard depart from me. I never knew you. How did Jay respond to you? He said, man, I'm okay. Ain't nothing wrong with me. That's what he said. And I, uh, I went to I went to the uh, a local ministry in Fort Lauderdale called Faith Farm, and from that point on, from '86 to 2008, that was my that was my life, in and out of rehab. Even there was a brief marriage, uh, but I, I wasn't I couldn't maintain it. But between the drugs and the womanizing, the porn addiction, I wanted to do what I wasn't healed to do. I wanted to do it, but how to do it, I wasn't there yet. Were you also trying to work at this time? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Doing, I was working until until I relapsed. I, every time I relapsed, and, and I, I believe I can, I can speak for everyone who's a perpetual relapser like I was. Nobody relapsed to lose everything. The whole plan of a relapse is this time, I'm going to be in control. This time I will maintain my job. This time I will spend $30 or $40. This, this time. It doesn't matter about it. It never worked before. I, I never relapsed to lose my job. I never relapsed to lose the apartment, to lose the car, to lose anything. This time I'm going to do drugs and do life. I hadn't come to that, to the realization that you do drugs or life. It's not both and. That, that, was, that was every time. That was the plan. And I just knew I could. But when drugs are involved, the only certainty is uncertainty. And that uncertainty revealed itself in Otis's failed presence at family gatherings because of an unplanned drug bender. I missed so many family events and each one of them hurt me. And it was kind of like they were all being stacked up because I love my family and I just hated disappointing. I miss weddings. I miss family reunions. I miss birthdays. But the breaking point for Otis's drug use happened when he was invited to speak at his uncle's birthday gathering. This is the uncle who I spent so many summers to going to South Carolina, hanging out with him, my uncle Ed and my aunt Ruby. I just loved him so now I, I'm sober again. I'm grateful that I'm sober and I'm going to go speak at my uncle's 90, 90th birthday. And it happened again. And that was it. It was like that was the old proverbial straw for, for me. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. And that's when I that's when I said I'm going to Pacific Garden Mission. And you knew about Pacific Garden Mission because of Unshackled. One night, I heard, how do you do? 
<laughs> and, uh, and I immediately fell in love with the format. But at this time, man, I'm 54 years old. I am running out of time. And I made up my mind right then. I did the math. I said three scores and 10 is 70. And I just turned 54 in some months. So I say, if I live to be 70, I'll only have 15 years and a few months to live. If, if, if God is going to let me just live to 70. And that's it. It, it, it. And the futility was just, it was speaking volumes to me. I couldn't roll the dice on another relapse. And by the God, grace of God, I had another check coming. And I said, when that check coming, I'm going, I'm going to Chicago. I'm going to the Pacific Garden Mission. But I was desperate. You were broken. I right, broken. I walked through the doors and I never forget, Brother Glenn Reed is the first person, he was on duty that night. He, he greeted me with a smile, said, welcome to Pacific Garden Mission. And even though this is a homeless shelter rescue mission, in my mind, I stopped being homeless the day I walked through here. You, you went through the program. I went through the Bible program. I, uh, I call the 8th of May, 8th of May, 2008. I call that my new, it's like a new birthday. I call that my Chicago birthday. And I tell you what, outside of salvation, this is the best decision I ever made because in that decision to do, in that decision to compromise and do smoke that joint, in that decision was homelessness. In that decision was addiction. In that decision was 20, 20 times going, 20 or more times arrest. In that compromise, you know, there's also, there's so much stuff concealed that, that, that will, you know, that, uh, pro, you know, later on be revealed in every decision. Right. See, the enemy's not going to show you his whole hand. He's just going to lure you in with some fun. To he, and part of it too. Did I become? I was very popular. Yeah. He'll let me experience some of the fruits. But there's also the dark side. of it. You know, there was a price to pay. But in that decision to come to PGM, it just keeps. It's, it's the decision that, that I'm, I'm, I'm receiving more and more from it every day. And it all started with that one decision. That's all it takes. That's it. That one decision. And I'm still reaping benefits from it. And interesting. It's that one decision that can lead you from a life of death, right? Sin, right? Which leads to death. That's right. And eternal life. That's right. Just it's just one, one, decision. one decision. One decision. And Jesus has done more with my life in eleven years than I did. Far more. Not just not just marginally more. Far more than I did when I was in control. All those years, you know, I was I was definitely prodigal. Because prodigal means wasteful. It's just not necessarily wasteful with money. Mm. I, I really didn't value, put the proper value to it. I didn't put the proper value on those jobs that I had. I didn't put the proper value on the sacrifices that, that my parents made for us. You know, even when I was in college, didn't put the proper value on. That's a was a big part of uh of my life. Not putting the proper value on what has been given to me, mm. many opportunities and just how blessed I was. But today I try to value it. Yeah. You know, first of all, you value God's word to the fullest. Yeah. Yeah. Is, and speaking of God's word, is there a scripture that jumps out? Yeah. This here kept me from drowning and I held on to it 
just like you would if you were in the middle of the Pacific, like you would hold on to a log, anything that's afloat, because you know if you let go of this, there's no way you can find shore. And it's Philippians 1 and 6, being confident of this thing, he who began a good work in you is faithful and just to complete it until the day of Christ. And what that meant was for me, there were times especially after relapse when I knew, man, I'm walking with the Lord, I'm doing well, and I find myself in a crack house, and I've squandered everything again. That verse, because I knew, in spite of, I'm in a crack, I knew I was saved. And because I was saved, I knew he had began the work. That's the verse that kept me, that's the verse that kept me from going under. I would hold on to that. that that's the verse that kept me alive kept hope alive in me. You, you're going to come out of this. You're going to come out of this according to God's word. He's going to complete the work that he started in you. You're his. You're his. One final thing. Okay. When you went back to your uncle's 100th, right. can you share with me just a little of what you said that you didn't get a chance to when you blew it when he was 90? I thank God for giving God as a God of so many opportunities. And I shared with uh, with him and the people in the audience that how, and I was grateful to God because on his 90th birthday, I was in a crack house getting high. And I was grateful for him, for loving me all these years and for uh, all the time and love he invested in me and uh, so grateful to God for giving me another opportunity to tell him and, and everybody in this bit how much I love him and how much he means to me. As a matter of fact, I was on the phone with him yesterday. We had a great conversation and hopefully if he and I live to see April 28th, I'll be there to say happy 101. <laughs> Praise God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> God did indeed begin a good work in Otis McClam, and to this very day is completing it. As we see in Otis's life, one decision is all it takes to lead you on a path to ruin or redemption. We serve a gracious God who gives us the freedom to choose. Otis continues to make important decisions here at Pacific Garden Mission as the logistics lead in transportation. So, until next time on the Unshackled Podcast, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory. <laughs>